Welcome to season two of the Hornet's Nest. We're excited to kick off a new season of great topics from around Flower Bluff ISD. It's been a different start to a new school year, but we are jumping in and diving deeper into a variety of educational news, district achievements, and resources for parents in the community. As we make our way through season two, things may be different, unusual, disjointed, but we look forward to plowing through this year no matter the obstacles. Hello, I'm Kim Sneed, Chief Communications Officer here in Flower Bluff ISD and your host. Glad you have joined us here on the Hornet's Nest. Welcome to the Hornet's Nest podcast. On this episode of the Hornet's Nest, we're talking about COVID-19 as we begin the second semester of the school year. Today, we have four guests who will join us on the Hornet's Nest. They include Superintendent Velma Solis Garcia, Flower Bluff Elementary Principal Dr. Nicole Youngberg, Flower Bluff High School Principal James Crenshaw, and Associate Superintendent for Student Services Dr. Linda Bargansky. We're going to kick off the episode with our new superintendent, Velma Solis Garcia. Thank you for taking some time out of your very busy schedule to bring our listeners up to date on steps we are taking to mitigate the spread of COVID-19 in our schools. Thank you for having me, Kim. I'm just so excited that this is our first podcast together, and uh, thanks for the invite. Great to be here. Before we dive deep into that COVID-19 discussion, I'd like to spend a few minutes introducing you to our community. At this, at the time of this recording, you are exactly one week on the job. Can you believe it? I, I just can't. It's gone so fast and uh, furious. Yes. Um, you've been a very busy hornet buzzing around the district. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your path to leading Flower Bluff ISD. Sure, not a problem. This is my 32nd year in education. Uh, I actually started as a paraprofessional in 1988 over at uh, Corpus Christi ISD, and then as a as an elementary teacher, uh, same school district, and then. Um, had an opportunity to serve there as a part-time assistant principal. My my full-time administration started here in Flower Bluff at Flower Bluff ISD at the primary campus as an assistant principal uh, in, back in 1997. Uh, I spent seven years here in the district, assistant principal, principal, and then had an opportunity to serve as director of uh, curriculum and instruction and federal programs until 2004. Um, I applied for assistant uh, superintendent for Sinton ISD and then served as assistant superintendent uh, Superintendent for 16 years uh, in uh, Sinton, uh, over in Alice ISD, and the last three and a half years at Gregory Portland ISD uh, until I got here last week. Yeah, we're so happy you're here, um, and and welcome aboard officially. Welcome aboard. Thank you so much. So let's move into talking about COVID-19. Um, our community has seen a spike in positive cases following the holidays, which has impacted school operations. And um, we have families and staff who are anxious, which is why we're having this conversation today. We think it's important to reassure our community that we are taking all necessary steps to keep everyone healthy while they're at school and work. Can you give our listeners a brief update on the work that has been taking place since we've returned from the holiday break and then those steps moving forward? Sure. Uh, safety and security, of course, are uh, 
serve as our number one priority always. And COVID fits right in there, you know, with our safety uh, precautions. And so one of the first things we did was to have our task force uh, reconvene. Uh, We went through our uh, mitigation plan and they've analyzed to make sure that we have every uh, step in there that needs to be addressed as far as um, reporting, uh, that we have forms available for our staff. We're trying to streamline things a little bit. Uh, So they've spent the last um, few days going through that process of reviewing everything. And so you'll see a few changes coming forward. I'm excited that we're having this podcast so that our team can share that with you. Uh, We have four lead people on the task force. Uh, You mentioned a couple of them today. They'll be here with us or they are, you know, going to be talking later on. Uh, But we have Dr. Linda Bergansky, who's leading the task force. She's our uh, associate superintendent for student services. We have Ms. Cassie Freeman, who's director of HR. Uh, You, of course, sit on that task force uh, as chief communication officer. And then Ronnie Robles is our chief operations officer. Uh, And then we do have some ad hoc members who serve on that committee as well, and they join us daily now. We have a COVID call uh, daily at four o'clock. We review our numbers, uh, we check um, positive cases and uh, positivity rates. Uh, We look at trends, city trends and uh, county trends and try to keep an eye on all those things. And and they're gonna talk a little bit more about all the details that, that, that are forthcoming. Yes, we've been busy uh, reviewing all of that stuff, and um, it, it's good. I mean, we've been fast and furious during the fall trying to just focus on, you know, getting school started, getting kids back on campus, you know, trying to have a normal, normal, I'm using air quotes, you yes. all can't see me, but you, normal uh, school year. And so now it's kind of that time with that little bit of a spike to really go back and make sure that we're doing everything we can. So. I will tell you that, you know, the past uh, five, six days, I've, I've been out in the mornings uh, visiting campuses at drop-off, and it's been such a great uh, relief to see that our kiddos, you know, they're, they're, our students, our scholars, they're getting off those vehicles with their mask on, um, and all of our staff, everywhere I've been, at every campus I've been walked through, I've walked through uh, every campus, uh, the only one left is the high school they're next on my list Uh, but everywhere I've been in the district teachers are wearing their masks students are wearing the masks Uh, I've had possibly just a couple of cases where our kiddos may have forgotten their mask in their vehicle but our staff is at the ready to give a mask to their students and the other thing that you know I see is uh, in the classroom we have our partitions up our students have partitions available to them, and uh, and our team will be talking a little bit more about those mitigation processes. But I was just glad and relieved that all of that is there and everyone's using it. Our positivity rate is uh, steady, which is good, uh, and so it, it, that shows that it's working. And so we want to keep it that way. Um, so if if the numbers of positive cases continue to climb, or we see a real you know kind of dramatic um, uptick in our in the school district's positivity cases. Yes, you know, there is that uptick in the community, but we keep a very close eye and our, our focus is on the positive cases in our district. Um, do we have plans for a shutdown or maybe a partial shutdown? And, and what would that look like for students, teachers, and, and staff? 
So in our mitigation plan, we have uh, a percentage or a threshold that, w- that was set. Uh, if we hit that threshold, uh, for example, uh, elementary or ECC all the way up to junior high, they have a 5% uh, positivity rate threshold. And so if we meet that, and that's a collective uh, threshold, so that's students and staff together. Uh, so if we meet that, then yes, we would um, immediately call for shutting down the school so that we can sanitize. And then we'd be shut down for a day or two just to make sure that, you know, the, the building is able to get sanitized appropriately. And then um, a thorough sanita- sanitizing process. And then that it sits for at least 24 hours before we bring people back in. And so once we, once we look at those thresholds and we meet them, that immediately would happen. We would ha- send notice out to our parents and, uh, and make sure that they're aware as soon as we make that decision. The other thing, though, that we have to keep an eye on is this new variant case that hit our county. Uh, we want to make sure that we keep an eye on the trends because if those trends within our facilities start going up, um, then, and if we hear that that variant case is spreading, we want to make sure that our mitigation process, that we've analyzed it thoroughly, and if we have to readjust those thresholds, for instance, then we would do so. So if we needed to, instead of doing a collective number, if we needed to separate those two out, if we, uh, if we needed to do a, a threshold for staff and a threshold for students, then we may have to adjust at some point. So uh, it's not like this mitigation plan is set in stone. It's a living document. So we will come together and keep an eye on that. And if we feel like we need to do what's best uh, to meet, you know, the number of cases that we see, then we're going to adjust. And so um, we'll see what happens. We're hoping that with the vaccine out there and more and more people getting the vaccine, that our numbers will go down. Uh, Eventually, uh, we won't have to, you know, be so worried about the mitigation, that threshold and changing it. But until then, uh, we have to keep an eye on it. We want to keep keep our kids safe and we want to definitely keep our staff safe because they're the ones in the classroom. They're the ones at the front line, if you will. And uh, and we need them to be healthy. And so we, we have to do everything we can uh, to make sure that everyone is following the protocols and that we have the right protocols in place. All right. Well, that was great information and just a, just a kickoff to to the um, the conversation about COVID that we're going to have with additional folks coming in. So I want to thank you so much for, for joining me on your inaugural debut on the Hornet's Nest podcast. And I look forward to having you back on another episode. Likewise. Very soon. Likewise. I'm looking forward to as well uh, having future Hornet's Nest podcasts. This is great. Thank you so much, Kim. Our next guests are Flower Bluff Elementary Principal, Dr. Nicole Youngberg, and Flower Bluff High School Principal James Crenshaw. Welcome, guys, to the Hornet's Nest. Glad to be here. Thanks for having us. Um, COVID-19 has really monopolized how school operates, our classrooms, our conversations, our meetings, and we know it is important to keep our community up to date on how we're working to ensure student success in the midst of COVID-19. Dr. Youngberg, I'm going to start with you. The positive case numbers for the ECC primary and elementary campuses have been relatively low, which is great news. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how these campuses are working to keep students and staff safe? Absolutely. Well, 
Like you mentioned, COVID has really adjusted the way we approach and do pretty much everything on campus, from setting up our classrooms to even scheduling how are we going to have recess. But the bottom line is that we take health and safety guidelines very seriously, and we make sure that they're in place at these campuses. We've definitely had to adjust, and but the students, staff, and families have been absolutely amazing in this process. We know it's difficult for everyone, but everyone's doing their absolute best to make sure that everyone's safe. This includes, but it's not limited to, actively monitoring our kids wearing masks, enforcing hand washing and hand sanitizing, social distancing, and the use of our partitions. And um, I just want to give a shout out, too, to our custodial staff and our teachers for keeping everything sanitized throughout the day. Yes, they are doing a great job. Um, You know, just when we periodically visit, and um, Superintendent Velma Solis even spoke to that earlier and said that, you know, she's been going to campuses and has definitely seen everyone following those processes and procedures um, that are in place. So we have students, just to kind of bring everybody up to date, we have students that are virtual learners, complete virtual learners or remote learning. And then we have students who are face-to-face. So about how many of our students at your campuses, like percentage-wise, are coming face-to-face? At the elementary campuses, we're over 75% right now. Fluctuates um, between campus to campus, but about 75 to 80% be- uh, you know, are face-to-face right now. Awesome. And um, and then at those campuses, are, are there teachers specifically for the kids that are on remote learning, or is there a combination, like kids that are in the class learning remotely and face-to-face? How is that working at those campuses? It varies, but on my campus, I do have some hybrid classes. Um, we have fully online classes, and then the majority of our classes are face-to-face. At the ECC and the primary, they have strictly online classes, strictly face-to-face classes. And um, have you made any adjustments to the original reopening plan that we started off with when kids came back in October? Have there been any real shifts or changes to maybe how you were doing things once kids came back? physically? Not really. Um, Those high standards were already set in place when we started. The things that have really changed have been more to the effect of the quarantining, the close contact, just definitions of that have been changing from county to CDC. And so just making sure that we're keeping up to date and following those guidelines so that um, we can keep that infection rate down. And so if, if a parent wants, um, if their child is currently face-to-face and they're not feeling comfortable with things, how, how do they go about moving their child to virtual learning? They have this opportunity every six weeks. It's the same, um, my campus and above, the elementary and above. Um, at the ECC and the primary, it's every nine weeks. So at those time periods, um, grading periods, they have the opportunity to change their learning platform. They can always um, change to online um, at our campus if there is a need for um, quarantine or something like that, um, then they do have that opportunity um, for specific reasons. Uh, we have had to um, make exceptions. Okay. 
So, Mr. Crenshaw, the high school in particular had a big shift for the second semester. Can you elaborate on the changes and and why your campus decided to implement new schedules for the spring semester? Sure. Our teachers, when we started this year, they were troopers. They really were. And when we started, they taught both online and in person. And they were super willing to do that. The thing is, it was a real strain on them. And in fact, it probably wasn't the best learning scenario for either our online kids or our face-to-face kids. So we started taking a real hard look at the schedule about midterm and seeing that there were some opportunities where we could separate face-to-face and online. Not totally. There are some places, uh, like in some advanced classes, where you only have one teacher teaching those. Those are still mixed classes. But where we could, we separated online and face-to-face. And I think it's making a better learning environment for both, both folks. So it was a lot of work. We, we did two master schedules in one year. It was a little bit scary because we had to erase the master schedule to get it done. But we just got brave and took the plunge and made a new master schedule and separated those classes where we could. So um, what steps are the secondary campuses, our intermediate, junior high, and high school, taking to reduce the spread of COVID-19 in the campus? Uh, well, just like uh, Dr. Youngberg had alluded to in the in the lower grades, same stuff. It's really the basics. Take care of sanitizing your hands on the way in the in the schoolroom. Take care on sanitizing your hands on the way into the cafeteria. So really, hand sanitizing and wearing those masks, especially where you cannot be socially distance uh, of six feet apart. So our students have been doing a phenomenal job, and we do truly have the world's greatest kids. So we have about 1,130 kids who want to come back face-to-face. And so those numbers, especially in the region, are, are probably double that of any other high school in the region. And I'm really proud of our kids for doing that. But I think what we're proving is if you do the basics, face mask, wear, uh, taking care of your hands, and making sure you can be socially distant, especially in places like the cafeteria where you're eating and you can't wear a mask. I think we're proving that it works because our numbers have remained relatively low considering that we have about 1,150 kids and a couple hundred teachers in there every day. So everybody's doing a great job. Awesome, yes. Um, Yes, the the numbers that we're serving face-to-face is, like you said, almost double than you know, some of the other high schools, in particular the high schools at some of the other campuses. So I think we're doing a great job. So so Dr. Youngberg talked about changes to a child's uh, learning platform at the elementary campuses. So is that still the same process for the secondary campuses? Well, like I say, we wanted to make sure that parents and kids had a choice. So Um, They have a choice whether to be online or face-to-face, but we didn't want either one of those forms of instruction to be less than the other one. So that's really why we focused hard on having a live teacher teach both of those things. So really, there's not much of a program change. It's just a change in how that's delivered. So so kids that are making either one of those choices really do have that great um, educational opportunity that our community expects. And, and how are our students and our staff, um, and this is for both of you guys, and Mr. Crenshaw, you can start, but how are they emotion? how is their 
how are they handling all of this? And I'm talking students and staff. Are they adjusting well? Is this, you know, what's the, what's the feel at the campus? Well, one thing is I'm amazed at our teachers because we ask them to step up and do these things, and they stepped up and did them. But I won't sit around and say it's not stressful. You know, it's a stressful environment every day. And what we're having to do to make sure that we uh, accommodate for that is what we do in Flower Bluff all the time. We're a family, right? And so if you have issues or, you, or your, one of your family members comes down with COVID and, or anything like that, we treat each other like family, family first and, and health first and those things. So it is a stressful time, but I wouldn't want to be anywhere else besides Flower Bluff to, to be in these stressful times. So we're just basically saying, let's take care of each other. And uh, it seems to be working. Dr. Youngberg? I agree 100% with Mr. Crenshaw. Absolutely. I would have to say the word would be resilient. Um, Our staff, our students, even our families, they have been so resilient through all of this, Um, really working cooperatively together to make the best out of a not great situation. So um, just trying to focus on the positive and um, really just trying to be there for each other, supporting the teachers however I can. Um, parents have been awesome too about supporting their the teachers. Parents have been great about you know helping encourage um, that reducing the spread. You know they've been great about keeping the kids home when they're sick or calling in and asking questions. Just keeping that line of communication open. They know they're they they feel free to call or email or whatever um, to get information and answers to their questions. So yes, very awesome district. Um, student staff, families, um, absolutely amazing, supportive, and resilient. Was there anything else that we we needed to touch on uh, with regards to the processes and procedures on the campus level? Or is that we pretty much, I think, I think we covered everything, but. Was we it? did. I just feel like okay. we need to give our nurses a shout out. Oh, yes. Through this whole COVID process, really our nurses have been just our backbone. They um, keep us up to date. They they know their stuff, mm-hmm. so they have been our go to. They're go-to. documenting. They're oh my gosh, they have been tracing. Our they're they're doing so much more than what they were already doing, which was is a lot. Um, at, at you know some campuses more than others, you know, with medication and things like that, mm-hmm. and um, student health and all that. Yes. And so they have. They've been. So I think the teachers stars. have been recognized in the fact that they have had to go above and beyond and. It's been so stressful, and and um, but also our nurses have been amazing. Well, I, I just have to say you took the words right out of my mouth. Our nurses are the tip of the spear right now, and every one of these uh, possible cases and cases and everything go right through that nurse's office, and they're just they're just doing a phenomenal job. They really are. Yes, I, I will reflect back to my very first positive case on campus, and I was like. Ah! You know, um, and having that nurse to lean on and kind of um, do go through the process with, um, it was very um, calming for me to to do it the right way um, to have that support of our nurse. Awesome. Well, thank you both for taking a few minutes away from your campuses um, to join me and to provide this valuable information for our community. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having us. Welcome. Thank you. My final guest on the episode of The Hornet's Nest to talk about COVID-19 is Associate Superintendent Dr. Linda Bergansky. Welcome, Dr. Bergansky. Kim, thank you for having me today. Uh, I've been looking forward to coming and visiting with you. 
Awesome. Dr. Borgansky is leading the COVID-19 task force for the district. Can you bring our listeners up to date on what the task force has been doing to ensure our district processes and procedures are in line with state and national guidelines to help minimize the spread of COVID-19 in our district? Sure. Uh, I will be. I will tell you, Kim, that uh, this uh, task force was renamed uh, just last week, but our original task force has been working since back in June and July to uh, develop our reopening plan, to develop our uh, safety and health pl- health plan. Uh, So we have been working for months on this, but we did meet again uh, this past week. Uh, We have uh, several other people on this uh, task force. We have people from uh, maintenance department. We have uh, communication. You're on this task force. Uh, We have our curriculum instruction uh, person there. And our human resource person is also on this task force. And we have been reviewing our documents that we have on the website, and uh, we have also been updating them. Uh, I do want to say that our uh, Health and Safety Committee did meet in December. We have uh, members from our school district, but also from the community and uh, parent representatives there, too. And they helped us uh, review our documents. We review them when CDC sends out new updates, or TEA has suggestions for updates, and we'll review. And we did that in December. So... uh so y'all have been meeting, the health and safety in particular, have been meeting periodically over, during the fall. Yes, ma'am. Um, and, and have made some updates, you know, based off of new recommendations that have come down. Is yes, that right? Ma'am. Is that how that's yes. been working? Oh, okay, I understand now. And um, uh, like I said, we met this week uh, with another team, task force, and uh, we've updated some forms that we're using internally and also to report out for our COVID cases. So when there is a positive case in the district, can you elaborate on how we communicate that information? Yes. Uh, when we find out that there's a positive case on the campus, it usually uh, it comes to the principal or the nurse. Uh, and it's usually by the parent. And uh, they let the nurse know, or the, like I said, the principal, and they start doing a contact tracing to see if there was any close contact with that student or staff member. And uh, after they have investigated to determine if there was any close contact, they send me the information. Uh, When I receive the information, I also send it to the health department. Uh, We also let um, public information office know so they can update our um, tracker on our website. And we also send the principals or the department head sends a letter home for the parents or the staff member and staff members. Awesome. And so I know. So, so every time we have a positive case, this happens. This happens. Mm-hmm. So sometimes parents are getting multiple, multiple emails. <laughs> yes, yes, they are. Or it's like back to back to back, yeah. right? So elaborate a little bit uh, on the tracker. So that is on our website, uh-huh. and what does that information show? It shows uh, if if a parent goes to our tracker, <clears throat> they click on the tracker. It shows how many uh, students are on that campus that are have been tested COVID positive. It shows how many staff members on that campus 
is have been tested COVID positive. If um, a student has uh, finished their quarantine, we move them over to uh, the recovered, and the same thing for our staff members too. Great, and and that's we update that the website's updated almost every day. Every day, yeah. Okay, good deal. Um, so uh, I know you said that you report positive cases to the Noises County Corpus Christi Public Health District as well as TEA. During any of this time, if we ever have any questions or concerns about anything, do we reach out to some of our local um, organizations or maybe at the state level to help? Yes, Kim, we do. Um, We have reached out to the health department to get guidance from them on certain situations. Uh, We have also reached out to the Texas Education Agency uh, when they have recommended something and we're trying to understand what they're wanting. We'll reach out to them and also to get some clarification there. We've also reached out to other school districts uh, just to see uh, if we're all on the same page uh, when we're reporting and things like that that and um, we also have reached out to the colleges to get some information from them absolutely and TEA they do a weekly is it still weekly meeting with the commissioner yes this is always the topic of conversation right yes it uh, superintendents uh, meet with the commissioner and it used to be weekly now it's every other week And uh, he informs the superintendents of things that might be changing, or the superintendents give him feedback also on what's happening at the district level. So that has been very helpful. So you kind of talked, you mentioned a a minute ago about our reopening plan. Uh, Can you expand on that? What is that? And I know it's on our website. But what is all in in that reopening plan? Uh, The reopening plan, we started it before we opened school back in um, uh, August. Mm -hmm. And we put uh, what our safety protocols were going to be for each campus, uh, what the expectations were, you know, to wear your mask, to uh, social distance six feet apart. Um, We also mentioned in our reopening plan uh, what happens if a staff member or student uh, has COVID symptoms, what should our procedures be? It's all laid out in that plan and uh, the quarantine. We also have information uh, from each campus on how the different campuses were handling different things. Uh, We also have information in there from transportation, special ed, the nutrition department. It was a plan on how we were gonna start school in a different way than we ever had before. And so that plan like I was saying early, earlier, has been updated, especially the safety and health por- portion of it has been updated uh, several times. And um, uh, we have been using that, and that's uh, been um, helpful throughout this whole time. It's kind of like our, our guideline and yes. how we do things and all of that. So that was, this is all great information. So can you tell our listeners how they can access the COVID-19 information on our website to reference anything that was talked about today? And so, you know, we talked with the superintendent and she had some information. We've talked to uh, campus leadership. They had information. And all of that 
is on our website. Is that correct? That is correct. Okay. So how can they how can they find that? Easily find that. All you have to do is just click on our website at flowerbluffschools.net. Uh, when you are on our webpage, uh, go directly below the marquee portion, and there's a COVID-19 icon. Click on that icon, and what'll pop up is our tracker, and also our mitigation, where it shows the different stages that we're in uh, in our district. Our reopening plan is located right there, and so are the campus plans. So if a parent or community member would like to see what's happening on the campus, they can click that on, and it'll show what their procedures are during this COVID-19 time. Awesome. Great. Well, thank you, Dr. Braganski, for leading the task force and providing us with this important update. I really hope to have you back on the Hornet's Nest real soon unrelated to COVID-19. I look forward to that time, Kim. Okay. Thank you. Thank you.